House and Senate are both in recess. The Senate is scheduled to return on September 13. The House is scheduled to return on September 20. Last week in the House, they returned on Monday, August 23rd, to take up two matters, the budget resolution and the reintroduced H.R. 4, the John R. Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act of 2021. You will recall that in our last conversation two weeks ago, I told you that a group of nine so-called moderate House Democrats had raised objections to the legislative strategy previously laid out by Speaker Pelosi, catering to the 100-plus members of her progressive caucus who were and remain worried that their moderate Democrat colleagues would, if given the chance, vote yes on the smaller $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure framework and then, having gotten what they wanted, vote no on the much larger $3.5 trillion reconciliation package, thereby denying the progressives what they wanted, Speaker Pelosi had announced that she would not bring the bipartisan infrastructure package to the floor of the House until the Senate had first passed its version of the reconciliation bill. The nine House moderates objected to that. They said they feared that if Democrats followed that strategy, it would lead to two major bills being passed in tandem, and attention would only flow to the larger and more substantive of the two bills, with little, if any, attention paid to the smaller bill. It would, they said, be like having your birthday and Christmas on the same day. Instead, they argued, congressional Democrats should pass through the House immediately the bipartisan infrastructure package that had just passed the Senate and send it to President Biden for his signature as soon as possible so they could spend the next month of their elongated August recess traveling their home districts touting that bill, then come back in September to pass the larger reconciliation bill. And they were so sure that they were right that they announced they would simply not vote for the budget resolution that would unlock the reconciliation bill until they had first passed the bipartisan infrastructure package. And you will recall that Speaker Pelosi came up with what she thought was a sneaky idea, pass a rule that laid out the terms for the floor debate on both measures. And then just to make sure no one got the silly idea of voting against the rule, add to that rule the terms laying out the floor debate for the newly introduced H.R. 4, the John R. Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act of 2021. When House Democrats returned to Washington last week and the matter still was not settled. The moderates had not fallen for the sneaky rule idea. Nice try, they said, but they were still adamant that the House should actually vote through the bipartisan infrastructure package before it takes up the budget resolution. Progressives were just as adamantly opposed to the moderates. Who did the moderates think they were anyway? On Monday evening at the appointed hour, members prepared to go to the floor to vote on what exactly? Had the deal been done? Had one side or the other caved? No, not yet. So instead, at about 7 p.m., the House began voting on a motion to suspend the rules and pass S-325 to amend the Alice Spotted Bear and Walter Soboloff Commission on Native Children Act to extend the deadline for a report by the Alice Spotted Bear and Walter Soboloff Commission on Native Children. That vote carried, by the way, by a vote of 418 to 7. Then, still in wait-and-see mode, the House voted on a motion to suspend the rules and pass S-272, the Congressional Budget Act Transparency Act. That motion carried by an even larger margin, 423 to 1. And then the House waited and waited and waited while the moderates and the House Democrat leadership negotiated and negotiated and negotiated. Finally, a little after midnight, they broke up and went home for the night. 
The House came back into session just after noon on Tuesday. By then, the deal had been done. The moderates claimed victory. They had gotten the rule rewritten to include a provision that said the House would vote on the bipartisan infrastructure package no later than September 27. Speaker Pelosi tossed that off as a small bone to throw them, pointing out that with surface transportation authorizations expiring on September 30, they would have had to hold the vote by then anyway. So all she gave them was a promise to move the date for the vote up by three days at most. Had she agreed to hold that vote before the vote on the budget resolution, as the moderates had demanded? No, certainly not. In fact, she had come up with an even sneakier rule than before. Section four of the proposed rule simply read, quote, Senate concurrent resolution 14 is hereby adopted, end quote. In other words, the rule the House voted to pass included a provision deeming the budget resolution passed. So there was no need for a separate vote on the budget resolution because it was combined within the rule. The House came back into session early Tuesday afternoon and held a one-hour debate on the rule. The vote on the rule was anticlimactic. It was a straight party-line vote with all 220 Democrats voting in favor and all 212 Republicans voting in opposition. The so-called moderate Democrats did not follow through with their threat after all. They caved. As I said two weeks ago, I would not bet against Speaker Pelosi. She got what she wanted. Then the House took up H.R. 4, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act of 2021. This is the bill we call the Pelosi Power Grab. The bill would revise the criteria used in Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act to determine which states and political subdivisions must obtain preclearance before changes to voting practices may take effect. The way the criteria are written, the bureaucrats in the Civil Rights Division of the Federal Department of Justice would, be, would soon be empowered to demand preclearance for any changes in virtually every state in the union. The vote on H.R. 4 was also a party line vote. 219 of the 220 Democrats voted for it. Congressman Jim Acosta of California did not vote. Every one of the 212 Republicans voted against it. And then they were done. On immigration, on Tuesday evening, the Supreme Court issued an order to the Biden administration that effectively requires the administration to reinstall the Trump administration's remain in Mexico policy, also known as migrant protection protocols, which mandates that asylum seekers wait in Mexico while their asylum cases are adjudicated in the United States. In a six to three ruling with all three Democrat appointed justices voting in opposition to the majority, the court rejected the Biden administration's request for a stay that would have allowed Biden's decision to overturn the policy to stay in place while Biden's lawyers continue to litigate the matter. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton and Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt brought the lawsuit. Now, finally, to the eviction moratorium. On Thursday evening, the Supreme Court issued a ruling against the Biden administration's CDC-issued eviction moratorium. By a vote of six to three, with all three Democrat-appointed justices voting in opposition and all six Republican-appointed justices voting in favor, the court maintained that the law the CDC's lawyers cited in claiming authority to issue an eviction moratorium, in fact, gave them no such authority. As the editors of National Review wrote, much of the court's majority opinion reads as if it was pulled straight from the pages of the Federalist Papers. Quote, we expect Congress to speak clearly when authorizing an agency to exercise powers of, quote, vast economic and political significance, end quote, end quote. The Constitution reads the opinion, quote, 
does not permit agencies to act unlawfully, even in pursuit of desirable ends. If a federally imposed eviction moratorium is to continue, Congress must specifically authorize it, end quote. Progressives are now demanding that the Congress immediately convene to pass just such authorizing legislation. But the House tried to do that before it broke for its August recess several weeks ago, and Democrats could not come to agreement then. So I don't think it's likely that the House will come back early to pass anything. And even if it did, it would require 10 Republican votes in the Senate to break a filibuster. And that's even more unlikely. The eviction moratorium as we know it is finished. And that's our Washington report for this week.